0: Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lisa, for reading the passage for this morning. So this summer we have been in a series on the parables of Jesus. What we've seen is that Jesus' favorite way to teach was using these short, very simple, yet very subversive stories. They each have these surprising twists, these puzzles that cause us to think and and ask what is going on with this story. And in this way they, they they have a way of getting past our defenses of what we think we know about God, of what we think about how He works, His ways, to show us who God really is and how He really works. Now, Jesus used these stories for all kinds of people. He used these stories to get through to people who were very comfortable and settled in what they believed about God and His ways in the world, people who thought that they were right. He told these stories to show them how they were wrong. None of us like to be told we were wrong outright. Jesus' stories had a way to get in past the defenses of people who really pretty much thought they were right, to get into their heart, not to prove them wrong, not to win an argument, but to get through into their hearts, through their theology and religiosity to show them who God really is, to show them who he was and why he came. Now, at the same time, Jesus also used these stories for people who had been taught wrongly about God, who were confused about God, who felt like religion and God was not their thing, was not for them. Jesus told these stories to them, to people who felt like they had either rejected God or who felt rejected by God, to show them that this God that they had rejected and felt rejected by was not the real God at all. Now, in the amazing wisdom of Jesus, we see is how he was able to speak to both of these groups at the same time using these parables. Now, I want to encourage you this morning, everyone, to have a Bible, to have Luke uh, chapter 15 opened and right in front of you. We'll be looking at this story uh, in detail. So, kids, uh, not only... Have the Bible ready with you right there, but also make sure you have uh, the sermon outline. Uh, We have one for adults and kids online. As we see, as you look at this text from Luke chapter 15, there at the very beginning in verses 1 and 2, you see these these two groups were both present when Jesus told this story about the lost sheep. Look at the text. It says, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching Jesus to listen to his teaching. And the Pharisees and the scribes, who were the religious professionals at the time, they were complaining because Jesus was sitting and eating with people they called sinners. Jesus told this story for both of them at the same time. He actually told three stories in a row, the story of a sheep, of a coin, and of a son. We're going to focus this morning just on the first one, this story of the lost sheep. Now, I think, like many parables uh, are and have been, this one is a little bit misnamed. I don't like the title. This story is a story about a sheep, and there's a lot here uh, about the sheep, but isn't it more the story about a shepherd? Isn't it the story about the joy of the shepherd? The main character is the shepherd, and the main point of the story is joy. This is a story about the joy of God. Now one thing that both religious and irreligious people have in common is a complete lack of understanding of the joy of God. What makes Jesus and Christianity so different as we see Embodied for us pictured for us in the meals that Jesus was having with those who were called tax collectors and sinners what made him so different Was this He showed and he taught that it's only with a proper understanding of the joy of God Can we ever find joy? ourselves and this was at the heart of his mission and of his ministry as i talk with people about how they're doing during these very very hard and challenging times um, i have not yet heard one person say i am so joyful right now i haven't heard anybody say that uh thankful yes anxious afraid yes many people learning how to be content many people have shared this and that's encouraging some have said they're down or depressed. Some are just hanging in there. All those things, yes, but joy, that deep abiding sense of satisfaction, that's so elusive for us in normal times. It is even more elusive in the times that we are in now. It can feel impossible during this time, but this parable says there is a way back to joy in any time. But it's probably not at all the way that we might think. It begins with an understanding of the joy of God. That's what this story is all about. We're going to look at three movements in this story. We're going to look at the reason for the search. Why did the shepherd go out and search for the sheep? We're going to look for the occasion for great joy. And then we're going to look at the final part of the story, which is the invitation to rejoice. So let's let's dig in and look at that. First, The reason for the search. What is the reason for the search? Verses 3 and 4 tell us that the shepherd went out searching. He left the 99 sheep to go after the one. Why does he do that? The answer to that question tells us something incredible about the reason and the source and the basis for the joy of God. And then the reason and the source and the basis for our joy. First, before we look at the story, we need to know this. I want to lay some groundwork here. One of the basic tenets of Christian theology is that God is joyful. Did you know that? In and of himself, God is joyful. Joy is at the very essence of his being, the very core of his existence. He does not need anything else. But in and of himself, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, always have been, infinitely joyful. So the source of God's joy is not in anything he created. It's in and of himself. But another one of the basic tenets of Christian theology is that God's joy in himself is an uncontainable joy. It cannot be contained. It wasn't contained. If it wasn't this way, nothing in the world would exist. It's like when you're so joyful about something, you're just so overwhelmed with joy, it bubbles out of you. You have to share it. You have to say something about it. You have to show other people why you're joyful. It's like when you fill up a can of soda, to the, or you take a can of soda, fill up a glass, and it overflows. The bubbles and the carbonation flow out of the glass. Such is the joy of God. The universe exists and we exist because God's joy in himself spilled over into creation like it couldn't be contained. He had to put it on display. He had to share it. He made us. This is why we exist, to share in his joy. Westminster Shorter Catechism, question one, the beginning and the foundation point of Christian theology Why do we exist? What's the chief end of humanity? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Joy is why we exist. One place in the Bible that tells us about this joy, Proverbs 8, 30 and 31. What we find in Proverbs 8 is God's wisdom is speaking. So God's wisdom is personified here. Speaking, one of His attributes, speaking, almost like it's a separate person. Some people see here. A type of Christ that Jesus is speaking, pre incarnation. This is what Proverbs 8 says. It says, Then I was beside him, speaking of before the creation of the world and in creation. I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily filled with delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in the children of man. Do you hear that? Rejoicing in the whole world, delighting in the children of man the joy of God, the uncontainable joy of God spilling over, creating the world, delighting in us. Is this your view of God? Before we talk about sin and brokenness, which is very serious and very deep in our hearts and in all the world, before we talk about that, we gotta have this foundation in place first. And we need this background in place to fully appreciate this story, this parable, to answer the question, what was the reason for the search? The answer is the reason was the joy that the shepherd had in his sheep. How valuable this sheep was to the shepherd. Now, a lot of us are doing quarantine cleaning time, and we're just cleaning stuff that we've never been able to get to, garages, you know, underneath all kinds of places, uh, things that we would never do in normal times. Now, if you're cleaning behind your sofa and you find a long lost Happy Meal toy from like seven years ago, or if you're cleaning behind uh, your sofa and you find some nasty, dirty sock, you don't rejoice and go crazy over that. But if you find that long lost earring that you just couldn't find from so long ago, or if you find the remote, you are so joyful, why? Well, a Happy Meal toy or a nasty, dirty sock is not valuable to you. But that earring is. And that remote is as well. It's because of the value of the thing found. Verse 4 says, The shepherd goes after the lost until he finds it. His joy in his sheep is the reason for his unrelenting search for that sheep his joy in his sheep that left, the one that wandered, the one that went astray, the one that caused him so much trouble and cost him so much time, the one he had to carry home, the sheep. That sheep was his joy. If it wasn't, he never would have gone to go get it. At this time, shepherds would have known all of their sheep by name. To the non-shepherd looking out at 100 sheep, you're just like, okay, whatever, there's 100 sheep out there, just a whole group of sheep, right? But not to the shepherd. He had to count them every day. You can't just eyeball the difference between 99 and 100. You have to one by one by one count them. And as soon as he was doing that, one by one by one, he realized one was missing, and he knew exactly which one was missing. And so he we went on the search. Friends, this is the heart of God for you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever is going on in your life, this is the heart of God for you. This is why Jesus came. Because of how much you mean to him. The value he places upon you. God's joy in you, friends, is prior to, independent of anything you've done, good or bad. God's joy in us is not when we are good enough or obedient enough to please him. Hear this, friends, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. This is the reason for the search. This is why Jesus came. As one other pastor said, listen to these words. You are valuable to God, even in a lost condition. You may be worthless in your own sight because you can only see what you have made of yourself, but you should see that you are valuable to God because unlike yourself, He is able to see what you were created to be and what he can yet make of you. I find that so powerful. Unlike ourselves, God can see what he has created us to be and what he can yet make of you. This is the joy of God. This is the reason for the search, because his delight is, in us. The reason for the search is the joy of God in the sheep. Now, the occasion for joy. Second point. Have you ever thought about this question? When is God most joyful? Is, is that an appropriate question? Um, what, does, what does heaven celebrate the most? If you could choose one time to get a glimpse of heaven when it was most raucous, most partying, everything was going crazy and happy and joyful, what would that glimpse be all about? Why would there be so much joy? This story gives us the answers to that question. It's in verse 5. When he has found the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And that's when the joy begins. That's when the joy party begins. The reason for the search is the joy of God in the lost sheep. The occasion for great joy is the finding of the sheep. The sheep he so values and delights in had gotten lost, and now he has found it, and now he has it back. That is the greatest joy of God. The overriding emotion of the shepherd when he finds someone lost or astray, wandering far, far from him, is not anger or disappointment or condemnation or relief. Well, I'm glad that's over with. Let's just go home. No, it's joy. It's joy. This is the overriding emotion in the heart of God. Whenever we repent, whenever we stop running and hiding, whenever we stop going away from him and turn back towards him, the overriding reaction and emotion in the heart of God is joy. Did you notice, even after being found, if you look at at this story, the sheep doesn't, and it won't come back on its own. It's so lost that even when it's found, the sheep won't listen. The sheep won't follow on its own. It has to be carried home. It has to be picked up and carried home by the shepherd on his shoulders. If this was me, if I was the shepherd, I would be yelling at the sheep like, why did you run away? What are you doing here? How hard is it for you to stay with the 99 other sheep? Like, they're all over here. Go there. Why are you going here? I would be so frustrated. I... I would say, why are you standing there? I came all this way for you. Let's go. And the the sheep just sits there. I'd say, well, I'm counting to 10. One, two, three, four, right? And just say, fine. If you don't want to come, just be out here and die all alone. But there's none of that in this story. There's just joy at the finding of the sheep. You know, there's a picture that... uh, Actually, our kids' director just sent out this morning, Christy Sosa, always finds these great pictures. And I saw it this morning and I just had to share it. So I'm going to put this picture up in the slide. You see this picture? There you see the sheep. You see the shepherd who has found the sheep. The thing about this picture is you can't see the face of the shepherd. His hands held out there, it's very ambiguous. He could be saying, What are you doing here? Get back here, sheep. Or, he could be saying, my sheep, there you are. I'm so joyful and happy to see you. Friends, the amount of joy you have, in many ways, your Christian life will come down to this, what is on the face of the shepherd in that picture? When you are lost and astray, you turn back. What do you envision on the face of God? Jesus says, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And there it is. Repentance is the occasion for joy. If you want to see heaven and its most joyful, it's whenever when someone is lost or wandering or straying, is found and comes back. You know that feeling when you've lost your wallet or your phone? <laughs> Unfortunately, I know that feeling very well because in numerous occasions i have lost my wallet and or my phone but thankfully i almost always get them back thank you praise god for that the last time this happened to me uh we were at disneyland a couple years ago it was my oldest son elijah's birthday we were there the whole day from start to finish and so just as we were getting back and it was it was like 10 o'clock it was late we were getting everything put back into the car. taking everything out, and I realized I had that moment where I went, "Oh no, where's my wallet?" I looked everywhere, tried to find it. I don't think I have it. At this point, we had packed everything and everyone in the car, and it's 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 not easy just to just run back uh, to the entrance gate of Disneyland. So I said, "Forget it. We're gonna we're gonna go home. We're gonna rush home. I'm gonna rush right back and go to Lost and Found." So we did it. Took everybody home, driving back like a maniac to Disney. And I get there with like 15 minutes before closing. I've been on the phone with them. They say, come by to the to the gate, to the lost and found gate. And then I'm, I'm running. I'm wearing, for some reason, my hiking boots. I think it was raining uh, that day. So uh, I'm running. My knee was hurting from walking all day. So I'm like limping and limping and like mumbling, like, please, please, please. And so that's, I'm just running over there. I get to the gate and they say, let's go check in the back just like oh man, okay they go back to the back, come back and they have it. And so I just I was just so thankful and joyful that I had my wallet that it was safe that I didn't go have to go through all the hassles of what you have to do when you lose your wallet. So I had to share the joy. I took a picture of it. there's my wallet. Um, on the day that I found it, I just had to text that right away to Amelia my wife and say, It's found. Thank God. Friends, this is times a thousand. God's heart for you whenever you turn back to Him. Whenever you repent. No matter how lost we become. Whenever we see our sin, turn away. Realize we're, we're moving away from God and turn back to Him. One thousand times the heart of God. That feeling that feeling of joy. The reason why I believe many of you, my Christian friends who are listening, don't have joy, and you will not have joy in your faith, is this, repentance for you is not an occasion for joy like it is for God, of great joy. When, when you hear this, the first uh, theses of the 95 theses that started the Pro- Protestant Reformation, uh, written by Martin Luther, when you hear this, one of our reflection quotes, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. How does that sound to you, an entire life of repentance? Does that sound like misery, like groveling, like guilt, like burden, like always feeling like you never are ever going to measure up? Is that how it sounds to you? Or does it sound like celebration? An entire life filled of joy, like the joy in this story. In many ways, My Christian friends, the joy in our faith will come down to that. Here's how somebody put it, based on this parable here. This is what sets Christianity apart from all other religion. God goes out to man, not man to God. And repentance is just us turning around and us seeing, he's after me, and he won't stop. Here's, I want to put this slide up. Uh, this story really gives us a description of the Christian life in a whole. According to this parable, here is the Christian life. Uh, to sin is to run from the joy of God, what He made us, how He made us to live. To sin is to run from the joy of God. To repent is to run back into the joy of God. To rejoice is to know that God delights in me because of Jesus. Always. my sin, the penalty, the cost, the guilt, the shame of my sin was laid on Jesus. So when God runs after me and tells me, turn around, repent, it's not to condemn us, not to shame us, not to put a greater burden on us, but to invite us back into his joy, the joy of his loving heart and the joy of obedience. This is the Christian life. To sin is to run from the joy of God, to repent is to turn back to the joy of God, to rejoice is to know that I am rejoiced in because of Jesus. I've been reading a book, uh, pulled it off my shelf, it's a book I read a long time ago. It's by a pastor named uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. The title of the book is Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cures. In the book, uh, Lloyd-Jones repeatedly points out that the devil, that Satan, if he can't keep us from becoming Christians, he uses all of his energy at making us into joyless Christians. I think that's true. And he will succeed if he keeps us from believing just one of those three things. To sin is to run from the joy of God. To repent is to run back to the joy of God. To rejoice is to know that god delights in me because of jesus those three things satan will go after and cause us to doubt or to fill those things with the falsehood but here friends the story says what is the occasion for the joy of heaven when does heaven throw a party every and any time a sinner turns back to the joy of god it's the occasion for joy. So the reason for the search of, uh, the reason for the search is what? It's the joy of the shepherd and the sheep. The occasion for joy, is the finding of the wandering sheep, and is being found by the shepherd. And third, the invitation to rejoice. After the shepherd gets home, with the sheep on his shoulders, he calls his friends and his neighbors together, saying, "Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep." Okay. a Very obvious point that Jesus is making here is this. God wants us to be joyful. God wants to share in his joy. He wants us to share in his joy with him, just as he always had from the foundation of the world. God wants us to be joyful. As C.S. Lewis once wrote, joy is the serious business of heaven and God wants us to taste that joy. But the not so obvious point here is how we can miss out on this joy. You know, every parable I said earlier has like a puzzle, it has a twist, it has something surprising that makes us think, that causes us to go, what is going on in this parable? Where am I and who am I in this parable? The twist, I believe, in this story is the thing that Jesus says at the very end, where he offers his comment on this parable, where he says, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Here is the surprise and the twist. Who are these 99? Am I one of the 99? Do these 99 people even exist? That's the question Jesus means for us to puzzle over, to wrestle over. And I think the answer is this. The 99 people who don't need repentance, Those people don't exist. The message of Jesus from the very beginning was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand, all of you, everyone, every one of us. So there are no such people in the world who don't need repentance. And he puts that line in there at the very end, I believe, to cause us to ask the question, which one am I? Which one do I want to be? The 99 or the 1. Because there are two main ways to miss out on this joy. To miss the invitation God gives us in this story to joy. To miss out on the party. One is to not show up to our own party. And two is to not show up to the party for others. What do I mean? Well, we cannot show up to our own party. The joy here in this parable is all over what? A sinner who repents. It's like this. It's like somebody is out there with party invitations going out everywhere saying, hey, there's a party. You're invited. Oh, awesome. Oh, what's this party? Who's who this party for? This party is for, it, it's for a sinner who repented. And you imagine your picture there on the party invitation. How does that feel to you? <laughs> to have that as the description for your party. Here is a party of a sinner who repented. The first step Friends, to finding joy, to stepping into the eternal joy of God is admitting, I am a sheep. We talked about this a few summers ago when we went through our series on Psalm 23. We don't know God as shepherd. We don't know the joy of God until we can say, I am a sheep. Sheep are vulnerable. They are weak. They are not very smart. They're very stupid, actually. They're prone to wander off, and they get lost very easily and have no way to find their way home. They don't know how to do it. They're incapable. They're entirely dependent on the shepherd to come and get them. For us to say a sheep is for us to say, I am this. This is me in my sin. You know, let me share a quick story here on this. Now, I have some very sad news to share, but also some very happy news that hopefully makes up for the sad news. <laughs> but one of my favorite... Uh, stories. One of my favorite sermon illustrations of all time, especially when we're talking about sheep and shepherds, is the story of Chris the Sheep, who was lost in Australia for many years, but who was found. Uh, I talked about Chris the Sheep before. Sadly, Chris passed away uh, recently, but that's the sad news. But the happy news is another Australian lost sheep was found this year. This one had wandered away and become lost seven years ago, That's a long time seven years ago there was a fire on this ranch on this shepherd farm and the sheep was gone and they thought it was lost forever but this year on good friday 2020 this australian family was having a barbecue outside and off in the distance they saw this massive beast out there and they said what is that and at first they were pretty terrified and then as they went to investigate they realized this is the sheep that was lost seven whole years ago. They named him Prickles. So here's here's a few shots of Prickles. The sheep, there's Prickles, looking pretty massive and scary. And then here is Prickles on the way home, carried up into the pickup truck and brought home. Friends, what, I, uh, what I'd said before about Chris, What I will say now about Prickles is this is what happens to us in our sin, apart from God. We wander, we become lost. We cannot find our way home. We are a mess. But God never stops searching. He comes after us. This is the whole point and the story of Jesus. What this means, friends, is... The way to great joy, what Christianity says, the way to great joy, is saying, I never graduate out from being a Chris or a Prickles. I am a sheep, and I will always be a sheep. The more that I realize that, the more that I will grow as a Christian, the more I will grow in joy. Growth as a Christian, this is what I had gotten wrong for so many years, growth as a Christian does not mean repenting less. That is what I thought for many, many years that I will get so good and so holy that I will just have to repent less. That will be my growth and that will be joy. No, that is all wrong. Growth and joy in the Christian life comes from repenting more, more quickly and more deeply. The result is the more we experience that joy, the more we obey, the more we realize that joy is found in staying close to the shepherd and following his command. So the first way we can miss out on this joy is not show up for our own party. Not admit that we are sheep. To not repent. Ourselves. The second way we can miss out on this joy is not showing up to the party for others. The most joyless people, the most joyless Christians in the world are those who are more focused on the wrong in others than they are on the repentance of others or and any sign, any step, any inkling of a turn towards Jesus that they see in other people. Any sign, any step, any inkling that they see of God's search, pursuit, and relentless love in another person's life. The religious leaders here couldn't join in on the party right in front of them. There they were. Jesus was saying, here we are. This is the party of heaven. Come to earth. And they said, no, no, thank you. We don't want any part of that. Why? Because they thought people were there who didn't deserve it like they did. I want to close with this story from the life of John Newton. He's the author of the hymn Amazing Grace with a famous line based on this parable and the two that follow it. I once was lost, but now am found. John Newton really meant that. You know, he was a rough man. He was a former slave trader turned pastor. He never lost sight. Of the joy of repentance, he was once in a conversation with another pastor talking about someone who had claimed uh, to be become a Christian. So they were talking about this other person, somebody who said, I, "I'm converted. I'm a Christian now. Isn't that great?" And this other pastor, um, his name was Pastor Williams, J. Williams, I believe. But this pastor said, um, "You know, I'm not sure this guy doesn't go to church. He's supposed to go to my church. Maybe I've seen him once. His character is terrible." And he said. He may be converted, though I am not sure. But if he is, I will never doubt that anyone could be converted again. If this guy could be converted. John Newton said to him, I never did since God saved me. This is the heart of a person who can experience great joy. I'll never doubt Work of God in any person's life. I can't because God saved me. How amazing, how joyful. It makes me smile, it makes me laugh because God saved me. The most joyful Christian is someone who learns to repent first, who is the lead repenter, the chief repenter, the person who is most ready to join the party with others. May God. Give us this joy. May God help us taste this joy in this time. I want to leave you with just three questions to think about. I'm going to pray through this as we close. And friends, as we go through this time when joy is so elusive, where we might feel like, is it, is it even possible? Here are some questions based on this parable and all that we've seen this morning that I'd like you to consider. How might God be searching for you right now? in all of this? How might God be searching for you, pursuing you through this hard time? Secondly, how might God be leading you to repentance in specific ways, to turn away from that which doesn't bring joy back to the joy of God? And thirdly, how might God be calling you to stop looking at the sin of others and rejoice in what he is doing in others? Let's ask him to do these things in our hearts. Would you pray with me? God, we can hardly believe that this is true of you, the God of the universe, the one who made all things, that you are a God of this much joy, that you are a God who wants us to experience and taste this joy fully and completely. Lord, we come to you in this hard time when it is, we confess, very hard for us to experience or believe that this kind of joy is possible and so i pray that you would show us how are you searching for and pursuing us how are you seeking after us in our hearts in this time Some, we, we get so focused on what's not happening what's uh, our difficulties our circumstances i pray that as we bring all that to you we would also be able to ask and you would show us how you're searching for us i pray also that you would lead us to repentance Help us, Lord, in specific ways, in the ways that we are leaving behind, running away from the joy we were made for, that you would turn us back to experience the joy of your embrace and to stay close to you. Lead us in repentance, I ask. And I also pray that you would help us be people in our families, in our world, in our communities, even on social media, wherever we speak, wherever we're present, that we would be people who are not so focused on the sins of other people. But we would be people who can rejoice in any sign and encourage any sign and point people in any way to take any step, any inkling back towards you. Give us the grace, Lord, to know this kind of joy, to live in this kind of joy. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.